The football pod on OTB Sports. I think they'll have too much. I didn't hear a word you said in the last 45 seconds. What? Breaking news here on the football pod. The football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 14 minutes past eight, time to turn back to the 4-0 win for Liverpool against Manchester United. I'm delighted to say David Myler is with us. Uh, David, that was pretty good from Liverpool. Uh, try and put it in context for us. Was it their best performance of the season? Was it, was it even that good? Is there room for them to get better? What did you make of it? Um, I definitely think Jürgen will look at that and think there's room for improvement. Um, now, we spoke after the game how well the counter-press was, how much, you know, you look at the positions that they won the ball back against United, how high up it was. Um, but it's just like even, you know, for anyone, whether you're a Liverpool supporter, Manchester United supporter or football supporter, it just looked easy for Liverpool. Um, like we all commend Thiago's performance. I thought he was excellent, but there was nobody kind of got near him. They kind of left him run the game. They left him get on the ball. They left him do his flicks and his tricks and kind of fizz the ball around the pitch. Um, so, it, like, Jürgen will know that there's tougher tests ahead. Um, like, obviously, obviously, Ragnick changed that back five. Like, he spoke before the game how they'd worked on it. They'd looked at video and all that. I get that. Um, the analysis is part of it. You're going to walk through, you know, video meetings where you're going to talk back about what you've done. Like the first goal is a glaring thing of like their back five is completely all over the place. Um, like your left wing back is too high. Um, Centre half in Maguire steps out. He's in no man's land. He doesn't know where to press Mane as Mane turns. He then drops off. The other two centre halves, if you look at their positioning, neither one of them react to the run of Diaz. Uh, Dallas out of position. You've got runners coming from everywhere. It was just as much as Liverpool were very good, United were awful. Um, and there was a cliche, a bit of both that. So I think Jurgen will look at it and think that Liverpool can be better. Yeah. Can you just talk to us about Thiago? Right. If you <clears throat> if you knew that he was playing right, and you're Manchester United, and you 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 get a do over, right? There's like a weird Groundhog Day where uh, Cher comes on, Sonny and Cher come <clears throat> on, and the clock ticks over, and you're like, okay, I'm going to learn from yesterday. I'm not going to give Thiago the freedom uh, of Anfield tonight. What what could they have done differently? <sighs> I think. <laughs> They've gone into the game thinking, right, we're going to, we're obviously going to play this back five and the four and the one up front, right? Now we're just going to be, we're going to be solid. We're going to be hard to break down. You could tell from Ragnick's interviews after he wasn't very happy with the way they tried to press. You know, he spoke with the first goal, how high up the team was. Now, when you're trying to counteract a midfielder like that, you either one drop right off and leave him receive the ball on the other side of the midfield where he's almost getting his, like another center back. And you kind of say, well, what are you going to do with it there? I'm quite happy for you to pass it to the fullbacks. But the gaps in between the back five and the midfield were just enormous that he could pin balls all the way through. So in order to counteract that, you have to drop off. Like your back five and back four have to drop off. So he's playing in front of you. Another option is you just get someone to say, look, your job is to go and mark him and get up against them and stay tight with them and don't even get on the ball. But if you looked at the legs in the midfield, you know, Manchester's midfield yesterday, you probably need someone like a McTominay um, to go up against them because, you know, Pogba, I know he went off. He's not going to do that. Matic is not going to do that. Bruno's not going to do that. Um, they just didn't have the players on the pitch to be able to get anywhere near Liverpool's midfield. 
when Thiago does drop back essentially as a like at the exact same position as Matip and Van Dyke basically is he doing that because he's actually trying to draw Manchester United out a little bit he's trying to create that gap in front of their back three slash five no he's doing that inevitably he's doing that to get on the ball um, he has the capabilities like there's always this old laugh and joke in, in football that you know defenders are are mainly defenders because they're not good enough to play in midfield because they're not good enough on the ball. No, that's not the case, more or less, with all the top teams now because you see how good defenders are with the ball. But he's going to get the ball because he wants to be the driving force to carry the ball forward to suck midfielder out. But if he's getting it in between two centre-halves or up in the left-back spot, now what Liverpool do do really well is the rotation between, say, they do probably better, I think, on the right side than the left side with Trent going forward, Henderson peels out wide and Salah comes inside. They create that overload, but it's inevitably they're in the same positions, but it causes so much panic and confusion because when you when a team is going through all their tactical work, they'll be saying the left wing back, we need you to you know keep an eye on Trent or whatever. But then when he's coming high up, and then Salah's coming inside, you know you can see that from the first goal that they're all over the place. Um, it, it, it stunk of something that had only been worked on for two or three days, and it's very difficult to take on a team like Liverpool in that way. Well, like it stunk of it because that's exactly what it was, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. But you look at then at half time, of course, there's going to be a few effing and jeffing at half time. You imagine players have got to have, you know, a few things to say to another, which you'd expect. Um, I know some people might believe it. Um, I imagine there would have been players unhappy in that change room moaning yesterday. You could see that from the second half, obviously, bringing Sancho on for Phil Jones. There was a bit of urgency in them, but then Liverpool were tuning up. They were so comfortable. Liverpool probably created their own problems and gave United a little opportunity to kind of puff and puff in the game, but that was soon put to rest after about 15 minutes. Can I ask David, have, have you been in a, a midfield where you're literally being passed around, where you have that like one-touch passing and where the Manchester United players last night literally looked dizzy and they looked fed up and they just run away from the triangle that they were in the middle of and were like, screw this, at, at certain points, especially in the second half. Have you been, have you been that soldier? Have you been literally passed around and, and how do you deal with it? I think every professional has been there at some stage where you're going to have those games where you're, you're going to have off days where nothing seems to go right. Um, like you just, you have to be defensively solid. Like my job as a, as a six, like I played there most of my career, was you keep the ball in front of you. Um, like a great example of that is, you know, for um, the fourth goal, for Salah's second goal, um, like Harry obviously plays that ball to the young lad Hannibal Um Grand, whatever, like he's a young boy, he loses the ball. But Harry then gambles and steps out and jumps out of position. Whereas you think Harry should have said to himself, Leave the ball, go to Mane. I'm not leaving any space in behind me. Leave the ball, go to him, and then I'll engage him. But instead, he gambles, jumps out. Like, as as any midfielder, I looked at that as you have to keep the ball in front of you. If 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 the ball's going in behind you, like you're turning around, you're running back towards your goal. You've got a lot of work to do. And that's where you know you're in trouble, especially if you're a defender, because that means someone's getting in behind the back four. Uh, I guess it's very dispiriting like when when it when your team is being torn apart like that mm. uh, the the fans this morning are obviously the Manchester United fans are saying this is the worst ever Colin Buick was like this is the of the nine years this is the lowest of the low points and they they're saying it's like six seven years back from this point um I do wonder if that's actually true that if a manager who came in and knew exactly what they were doing and the plans had been in place for the whole season and they had something to fall back on, a philosophy, a style of play that they had worked on again and again and again and again and again. 
surely that playing staff aren't as bad as they've appeared over the last few months slash 18 months, are they? I think they are. Um, I really do. And that's that's very damning for me to say because I never played for one of the big six clubs. I certainly never played for Manchester United. But you looked at that last night and you just... Like, okay, you can you can disagree or agree with different pundits and their opinions, but there's certain things you look at them and... Like last night, certainly with, you know, Roy, Graham, um, Gary and Jamie, when you, when you listen to them, and I, I, you have to agree with them. Like Manchester United are a club where players are talking about leaving. You know, like Matic, I, I don't understand it. Um, it's not as if, you know, like Fernandinho is one thing, but then he soon put that to best or put that to bed, sorry, on Twitter himself, kind of going, well, hold on a minute, we're, you know, we're batting for a lot of titles here. Like, you know, it's not, it's not said and done. He's obviously unhappy with his game time, but it's a totally different situation because they're they're winning on all fronts. Like United, United have so many players who are out of contract, like who don't want to be there. Like Phil Jones, like great fella, but like been through an awful time the last few years. He's coming in to start, like which is you know at Anfield, which is which is difficult enough. And certainly with the form Liverpool and look at Pogba, his contract situation, like Matic, it's another one. Like even Jesse Lingard, you think like. He was on loan last year. He was fantastic. I thought he should have left Manchester United and, you know, gone permanently to West Ham because it was just a great field factor. And you even look at what West Ham are doing in the Europa League, that would have suited him better. It's just like Juan Bissaka, he, he, Dallas, I don't think they're good enough for Manchester United. You look at the, you know, the stalwarts of defenders they've had over the years. Like I, like even Ragnick, you know, I listened to him last night after the game and he said, we're six or seven years away. Now, he's obviously referring Liverpool when Jurgen took over and they finished day in the Premier League and how he obviously built that momentum and he identified what he needed. But there is just there is just so much dead wood at United. Uh, there really is. And whether or not Ten Hag is going to be announced the next couple of days, he's got to, you've got to clear all them out. You need players that are fully focused, fully committed, want to buy into the plan and then they've got to be able to sign players who are going to be able to come in and obviously impact the team and take them back to where they you know where they want to be and the hardest thing for them is nowadays the sign players you look at the you look at the prices of these you know they it's, it's it's extortionate the glazers aren't renowned well they I suppose they are I suppose but for throwing money away um but they're going to it's going to cost it's going to cost like 3 4 500 million to be able to re, rebuild a kind of a Premier League winning squad. Um, now I think it's going to take longer than six or seven years. There's, not, there's nothing guaranteed about that three or four hundred million as well, given the track record is the exact opposite. They haven't been good at, at spending money. They spent money, but they've just been mm. really bad at it. Yeah, that's why like, I kind of like, uh, I kind of nearly needed to eat my words there saying like that the Glazers haven't thrown money because they have. United have, you know, forked out fortunes for players, which some have done all right. Some have done okay. Some have been awful. Um, but look, Liverpool Liverpool did it. Um, and that would be the example I imagine they'll be looking at, that Liverpool were able to add little pieces over time. Um, obviously selling Coutinho, bringing in that money and then signing Van Dijk and Alisson, which was huge. It was kind of like, you know, and then you look at Diaz, the, the signing in January. Um, you look at how good he's been. Yeah, not bad. Like, it's incredible how quickly players are now. And, and also... The, 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 so they signed Kanate and it felt like he's going to have to go straight into the team because there's injury doubts about any of the other centre-backs than Van Dijk and obviously he was coming back from his long-term injury and now now all of them have been fit basically ever since and 
the the squad depth that Liverpool have built is as good as anybody and it feels like they're going to be able to see out the next month playing at this level like Salah let, let's talk a little bit about Liverpool because we you know we, we're going to um, pick over the cork as much as you know with Andy Mitten in about 10 minutes um, Salah's dip in form where he was creating chance after chance after chance for his teammates and also like hitting the arse of the goalkeeper or the thigh of the goalkeeper and it would trickle the wrong side of the post it never felt like he was actually out of form it just felt like he's been a bit unlucky yeah, and that's the standards he set for himself. You know, you kind of go into every like you go into every game where you're watching Liverpool, thinking, "Well, Salah's going to score." Like that's like his goal charts for Liverpool are off off the scale over the last probably what three seasons, where you know his return is phenomenal. Um, so any game, well, any kind of run of games where he's not scored, it kind of looks like, "Oh my God, Salah's going through this blimp." There was a case probably of about 180 minutes where he did look like he had a bit of burnout. Uh, Jurgen mentioned it probably the hangover from, from January in the African Cup of Nations, you know, obviously playing all those games, um, obviously that would have taken its toll on him. You look at him, he's probably the only one in the front three that's never really rested. Um, he seems to play every game. I know, like, obviously, York can rest him in the Champions League second leg. Um, but he's kind of the one that always seems to play out of the front three. So it, it was never a case of he wasn't getting chances. Yes, he was missing them. It was only a matter of time before he came back in. And, and you look at the intensity the front three played it last night um, all scoring all assisting one another like as you said there Liverpool squad depth is like, it's the best Liverpool squad I remember yes of course you could add a couple of greats from the past in and you know dot them in and around it but they've got five six midfielders to choose from they've got five forwards to choose from there's multiple choices in half the only area that you probably question is the full backs there would be a drop off um, but even young Quivine looks so comfortable if he was to step in for Allison. Um it's it's you know, it's an exciting time to be a Liverpool, you know, fan and they're battling on all four fronts um to win, you know, to try and go and win a quadruple. Are you surprised at how good Mane has looked through the middle? Yeah, because it's 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 a totally different position. Obviously when he signed for Liverpool he played wide right. Um then obviously Salah came, he moved over wide left. Um Playing through the middle is a lot different because you're usually the one that has to take the ball and defeat and you've got to be able to hold it up and link the play. Um, he's always been very good and he's had a great relationship with Andy Robinson being able to do that, but you've only got like one defender coming up your backside, whereas when you play as a nine, you're taking an ice and a half can come with you and the six is inevitably coming back to back tackle. Um, but he's been able to deal with it. Um, like It's just... They just, they just play with so much joy and you can see the smiles on their faces, the speed, the intensity that they, that they play at. That, you know, you always encourage kids and whatever to have fun when they're playing. They look like they're having fun. They look like it's easy for them. Um, and that, was, that even goes back to the, you know, the FA Cup, uh, Tigan City. It just, they just look like they're enjoying it. That last night's their best 11, isn't it? That's what I was going to say. It feels that way. Um, look... I've, I've I've been called biased or whatever. I would say it is. Yes. Um, Jota would be hard done by. Um, I'll give him that. Obviously, I do love Bobby Firmino, but Bobby, I think, would be the first to understand that the way these front three are playing at the moment. I suppose the big one that a lot of Liverpool fans would have would be um, could Jordan Henderson be replaced by a Naby Keita or someone like that, which is the best midfield three. I certainly feel that 11 last night that played is Liverpool's best 11 at the moment. 
because like, we were having that conversation with, with Mark Lawrence and yesterday and he was definitely of that opinion too that, that Henderson coming in would be the best midfield like there has obviously been a, a lot of love for that NFT midfield when you've got uh, Fabini on Thiago alongside Naby Keita so, so what did you see differently from that midfield last night compared to the one that, that started the two Manchester or sorry the Benfica game and the second Manchester City game I, I don't you see you have to understand what what roles are in a particular team like if you look at Liverpool's midfield three that started last night um, and if you compare them to Manchester City's midfield three or even United's midfield um, they're different roles and responsibilities like if you looked at the Man City uh, first game um, there was a way like I know I know Jordan was asked to press higher um, a lot of people then like you can you can obviously highlight and criticise different parts of him being on the ball or whatever when he turns over possession I get that I understand that but you have to understand your role inside that you know 11 what is required from, from the manager that's from one person it's not what other people want to see happening in them at midfield like what makes Henderson tick so well is he allows Trent and Salah to kind of go and attack with freedom now, Trent has improved enormously over the last 18 months defensively. You've seen that last night when Rashford you know, took off, how he dealt with them. Um, there was times when Sancho got back and dealt with him. But Henderson allows them to you know, get forward, and he's always been there to kind of cover around and support. He does a lot of dirty work that nobody really recognises. Um, and that's why he is so pivotal to Jurgen's system, because you know, Fabinho is going to sit there in front of the centre-halves. He's going to create that three. And the other midfielders don't have that discipline. Like I'm saying, the ones obviously that played against in the um, FA Cup. They don't have the legs he has. They don't have the discipline he has. You've seen Naby Cave last night. He's a very good player, but he gets himself into different positions going forward. I think Jürgen has it. Jürgen has five or six midfielders. They're all slightly different, um, but they understand their roles. And then he, that's why he you know, tweaks and changes them for certain games. So in the first Manchester City game, Henderson was pressing a bit more, you say. Why was that and, and how does that differ from his usual pressing game? No, but if you if you looked at the game, if you looked at the opening 45 minutes, like Liverpool couldn't get near Manchester City. Their press was all over the place. And then you looked at Man City's press and they were able to get the ball off Liverpool in, in great positions. You could see from the start of the second half that Henderson was a lot higher. He was nearly more advanced. But that was, that ignored, that inordinate to drag the team up with you. But that's obviously something, like I don't know the in-depth conversation they'd had at halftime, but they'd have gone through things that they obviously want to be with the trigger point. And you could see that from him, like he kind of given everything for about 75, 80 minutes. That's why he comes off in those certain games is because he's he's going at 100%. You know, we, you know, look, we could be here all day talking about United and their character and their, they don't they don't work hard enough. Um, and that's certainly not the case with your Liverpools and your Man Cities because those players give you everything albeit City keep the ball a lot better than anyone else in the world didn't have to work as hard but certainly with Liverpool in that game in particular I just spoke about those midfielders in Liverpool were pressing higher because they were told because you could see it because in the first half they sat a little bit deeper and they left the front three press It feels like uh, I, I had a little bit of I don't know just a concern that maybe there was last night was going to be a bit of a trap game for uh, Liverpool and we talked about that on the show yesterday with Mark Lawrence and he's like yeah it's possible but uh, Klopp made all the right noises and picked his best team and so I think you can see how they can catapult now forward for the rest of the year uh, Mark Lawrence was making the point that for Liverpool winning the league in front of their own fans would actually be something that they would 
prefer if if you had to order it in his mind he was like we want to win the league we want to win the league in front of our own fans it's been such a long time it actually feels more likely that they're going to win the Champions League than the league at this stage but last night's performance will certainly have given Manchester City cause for just a little bit of doubt Um, what do you think is most likely as an outcome in terms of trophies that Liverpool finish with at the end of the season at this point Um. So obviously they won the League Cup. Um, I think they'll beat Chelsea in the FA Cup. Um, I think that that's the only trophy Jurgen hasn't won. Um, so I think they'll win that. I think they'll win the FA Cup. Oh, it, it's hard for me to say. Deep down, it's like my heart says Liverpool will win the Premier League. Um, but my head says City will win it. I think both teams will win all their remaining games. Um, I just think that the pressure between them I think they'll push one another and they are pushing one another but if you go back a few years ago you know Manchester City were able to hold Liverpool off you know when they won the league what was it 98 points 97 points or something um, by that point I think that will stand them a good stead um, so I think I think they'll both win all their remaining games I hope I'm wrong I hope City do drop points but that's what I do feel um, and I think Liverpool will win the Champions League I think City will come unstuck against Real Madrid Um I think City will overthink it or well, Pep will overthink it um, and they'll get something wrong and I think Liverpool will be, you know they'll, they'll get through Villarreal by hook or by crook I think it'll be difficult for them but I think they'll get the job done um, I think it'll be Liverpool-Madrid final They kind of owe uh, Real Madrid as well after the Carriers game Nah you don't different times different teams of course look you still have a chunk of Liverpool's but you know you don't have the Ronaldo Bale Benzema you know that all Zidane as manager all that they don't have like Real Madrid don't have that it's it's slightly different with Real Madrid you know uh, and would you be happy with that? <laughs> <laughs> I would I would yeah so I think uh, that, yeah of course of I think course. that I think that like if they if, if they don't win the league I understand the whole point of winning it in front of your own fans but actually if they were to do a second Champions League they automatically become a great team like they're already a great team right but like mm. If if they don't win anymore, they'll be like Armagh, who only won one All Ireland. They're considered a great team, but there's always a little bit of an asterisk. Where it's like, yeah. if they actually were to win a second Champions League, it's automatically one of the all-time great teams, like better than the Man United '99 team, better than the uh, Manchester United Rio and and Rooney team, because we won two Champions Leagues in three and a half, four years. Like, I, well, you're going into tricky waters there now. <laughs> Even as me as a Liverpool fan, like. Like didn't do two, didn't do two with the same team. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. But then they both did stack three, you know, three Premier League titles in a row each. Um, you've got to give them that. Like it, it, it opens the waters into great debates. I'll give you that, right? Yeah. But like the the ninety nine team is better than the away team. Do you get a star for yeah. a league on your? Do you get a star for a league on your jersey? You don't. You only get a star on your jersey for winning the European Cup. Because those gold stars, lads, we have two in three seasons. <laughs> Show me your league medals, Grand. Yeah. And how many times do you win the Champions League? Oh, once. Okay, yeah. It's like. But that is that is the big thing on Fergie's reign, isn't it? It's the kind of the as you said there the asterisks against him is he's two European Cups. You know, obviously in ninety nine and no ways. I think for 26 years and they were battling on a lot of fronts. Okay, look, they lost Barcelona in those finals, but kind of won that kind of annoys annoys United fans. They probably should have won more European Cups, certainly with the squad they had. On that note, 
just when we thought you couldn't kick the Man United fans when they were down, you did it. Go, man, David. Thanks for joining us this morning. Cheers, Cheers. <laughs> David Mahler, uh That was an excellent performance, I think. Yeah. It's kind of like me bringing up Tyrone and the Naughties every time you're, you're feeling that well, like, life isn't I'd like to hear the Armagh reaction to that. Team of underachievers is what uh, you've been labelled as this morning. Get your views in, please. OTB AM With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.